And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Take your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 22. I want to talk to you today about Peter. Specifically, we're going to talk about Peter's repentance. Luke chapter 22, and uh, I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. Verse 24 says, then they begin to argue, excuse me, verse 31, verse 31. Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Now note this, Jesus is saying, Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift each of you like wheat. How many of you know Jesus wants you and me to overcome temptation? See, Jesus told us to pray this way. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. See, God wants you and me to overcome some marvelous opportunities to be tempted by evil. And here Jesus tells Peter, he says, Satan has asked permission to sift you and the other disciples like wheat, but I have prayed for you. And I can tell you, I have prayed for this congregation. I have prayed that you'll make heaven your home. I have prayed that you'll be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I pray that the greater one inside you will stand up when adversity comes your way. I prayed for blessings from headquarters heaven for you. And Jesus said, Peter, I've been praying for you that your faith should not fail. So when you've repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. And Peter said, Lord, you're right. I'm very prone to temptation. I'm very prone to sticking my foot in my mouth. Lord, you're right. I've got a lot of pride in my life. I thank you for praying for me. Is that what he said? No. He said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you. I am ready even to die with you. And Peter and Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you're going to deny three times that you even know me. Verse 54. Just go down to verse 54. So they arrested him, they arrested Jesus and led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance and the guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and they sat around it and Peter joined them there. And a servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter said, yes, I am. And I'm willing to go to prison and I'm willing to go to death. That's what he told Jesus. But look what comes out of his mouth. Peter denied it. Woman, I don't even know him. Everybody look at me. Everybody open your ears. You never really know what's inside you. Sometimes you know what your intentions are, but you never know what's inside you until the pressure gets turned on. You never know what gets inside you until the despair grips your heart. You never know altogether what's inside you until you get between a rock and a hard place. Verse 58, and after a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No man, I'm not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he's a Galilean too. And Peter says, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Now watch verse 61. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Put yourself in Peter's shoes. 
you just denied Christ three times and the Lord turns and looks at you and suddenly the Lord's words flash through Peter's mind before the rooster crows tomorrow morning you will deny three times that you even know me and Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly everybody say weeping bitterly and Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly I want to submit to you that this was a turning point in Peter's life for many years the largest church in the world was in Seoul, Korea, pastored by Dr. David Yonggi Cho. And Dr. Cho was speaking at a conference here in the States many years ago, and I happened to have the privilege of being there. And he made this statement. He says, you know, since I pastor one of the largest churches in the world, he says, sometimes young pastors rush up to me and they say, Dr. Cho, it's wonderful what God has done through you. However, Dr. Cho, I want you to know one day I'm going to build an even bigger church than you have. Dr. Cho said, I always smile at them. I always pat them on the back and I always say, oh, may God anoint you and may God bless you to do this very thing. And then he grinned real big. He says, because I know that when God starts to use a person, God first applies the hot wax to their back. <laughs> Listen, folks, sometimes God lets you and me go through some things so he can do some things in us. So then he can do some things through us. I want you to hear me. Hear me well. Sometimes God allows you to go through some things. Some of you are saying, oh God, I wouldn't let you go through this. Oh God, this is horrible. This is terrible. Well, I, you just need to say, Lord, I want to cooperate with you. I thank you that you're the glory and the lifter of my head. And I thank you that you're not finished with me because God allows you and me to go through some things so he can do some things in us because many times we're not ready. We're not ready for Broadway. Many times we're not ready for the big time. We're not ready for the bright lights. We're not as ready as we think we are. And God will let us go through some things so he can do some things in us. So then he can do some things through us. Because I tell you, God's got a plan. It's not just to get you saved and on your way to heaven. That's part of it. But he wants to do some things through you. He wants your life to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants God to be your all in all. When I read about Peter, you know, I like to read about his strengths because he's got a lot of strengths. But then we read about his weaknesses. We re read how he was often putting his foot in his mouth. We realize about, we read about his failures and his, and his frustrations. And dear ones, when I read about Peter, I say, you know, God, you can use me. There's hope for me. And there's hope for you. Because God doesn't use perfect people. He uses repentant people who will surrender to him. Amen. In Luke chapter 5, we're first introduced to, to Peter in Luke's gospel. And we find Jesus saying, Peter, launch out into the deep and let your nets down to catch a big catch of fish. And Peter, Peter, who had fished all night, he looks at him and says, Lord, we fished all night. But then he says, nevertheless, at your word, at your word, we didn't catch a thing, Lord, but at your word, we'll do what you say. Peter went out and let down his net and he caught a net breaking, boat sinking load of fish. It was so many fish he had to call for James and John and his brother Andrew to come and help him. And then in the next, the next thing we see, Peter is on his knees saying, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. 
And you go on down a few more verses and you find Jesus calling Peter, saying, Peter, come and follow me and I'll make you not a fisher of fish, but I'll make you a fisher of men. And Peter left his nets. He left his boat. He left his business. Andrew left his nets. Andrew left his boats. He left his business. James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, they leave everything and they follow Jesus. See, in, in a very big sense of the word, they were fully committed to the Lord at that point. They were following him. They had left everything. One evening, Jesus had been ministering and he sent the disciples ahead of him. He said, go on across over the Sea of Galilee. Well, it's a big lake, 13 miles long, seven and a half miles wide. And Mount Hermon's on the north end of the Sea of Galilee. And then the, the Golan Heights. Anybody ever heard of the Golan Heights? The Golan Heights are actually on the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee. And there are wind currents that go between those mountains and those heights. And those wind currents come down on the lake. It'd be like you're out on Lake Jackson and suddenly, suddenly a northeaster comes down and you got huge waves on Lake Jackson. That's what happens on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus has sent the disciples out. And boy, the the, the, the waters are stormy and in the middle of the night they're doing their best to make it to the other side and they see something through the mist. They said, what is that? And as it becomes clear, they see that it's Jesus and he's walking on the water. And Peter yells out, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come too. And you remember the story that Peter got on, on the water and Peter looked at the winds and waves and he began to sink and he said, Lord, save me. Don't ever forget those words. Lord, save me. Write it on the tablets of your heart. Lord, save me. Immediately they were in the boat. Now Peter gets criticized by a lot of preachers, but dear ones, at least Peter had enough faith to say, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. And the Lord said, come. Somebody said that before Peter walked on the water, he walked on the word. He walked on the word come. And Peter had to use his faith to stand up in that boat that was shifting up underneath him. Peter had to use his faith to, to put one leg over the side of the boat. And then he had to use his faith to put his other leg on the side of the boat. And then he had to lower himself into the water. And then he had to get up the gumption to try to walk on water. You say that's impossible. Well, it is unless you got Jesus walking in the water with you. And then Peter did sink. And Jesus saved him. But I want you to hear me. I'm among those. I would rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat sitter anyway, anyway any day. It's real easy to be a, a cynic and a skeptic. It's real easy to sit on the sky at the sidelines and to, and to criticize this and to criticize that. But dear ones, it takes faith to get up out of that, that comfortable boat seat and get and put your legs over the side of the boat and at least begin to walk. He could have walked on the water for quite a while. The Bible didn't really tell us. Well, we find Peter walking on the water. And then in Matthew chapter 16, we find Jesus looking at his disciples one day and he says, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist coming back to life. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're one of the other prophets. He says, but who do you say that I am? And it was old Peter who says, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, or son of Jonah. Blessed are you, Peter, 
for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed it unto you. You are Peter, which means rock. In other words, your name is Rocky. That was his nickname. You are Rocky. And upon this rock I shall build my church. Was he saying the church would be built on Peter? I don't think so. I believe he was saying the church is going to build, be built on Peter's confession of faith. That you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You see, you can't come into the kingdom of God until you're willing to confess Jesus is the Christ. He's the son of the living God. And he's my savior. He's forgiving me of my sins. And he lives inside me. See, that makes you a new creature in Christ. He says... Upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And behold, I give unto you the keys to the kingdom. I give you the key. What does that mean? I give you the keys to the kingdom. Let me ask you a question. Who was it that unlocked the door to take the gospel to the Jewish nation in Acts chapter 2? It was Peter. Why? Because he had the keys. Who was it that took the gospel first to the Gentile in Acts chapter 10 at Cornelius and his household? It was Peter. Why? Because he had been given those keys. Dear ones, Peter got the keys. The keys have been given to us too. It's called the anointing. And we're to go forth into all the world and preach this gospel. And this gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached over the whole earth until the end shall come. Glory to God. Well, Peter's feeling pretty good. I mean... He just said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. He is patting himself on the back. He's feeling pretty good. Jesus keeps talking. He says, Fellows, he says, I'm soon going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be given over to the chief priests and I'm going to die. And about that time, Peter goes, puts his arm around Jesus and says, Jesus, come with me. And the Bible says that he took him to the side and he began to rebuke him. Now, can you imagine the audacity of somebody that would take Jesus aside and say, Lord, this is not my plan for you. This is not the way I have things drawn up. Now hear me. Sometimes we draw up our own plans for the Lord. Come on. Sometimes we want to pray and tell God how we want it to be. Peter was no different. Lord, it's not going to be this way. And Jesus had to say, jump back, Jack. Get behind me, Satan. You're not concerned with the things of, of, of God, but with the things of men. And then Jesus said these words. He says, if anybody's going to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Let him deny himself and take up his cross. What did Peter do in Luke chapter 22? Who did he deny in Caiaphas courtyard? Did he deny himself? No, three times he denied Jesus. I just suggest to you that as you continue on this Christian road, as you grow in Christ's likeness, at some point in time, you got to make up your mind, am I going to deny myself or am I going to deny the Lord? Oh, please don't deny the Lord. Please don't deny the Lord. It's so much better to deny self and to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus Twice had to rebuke the disciples, both in Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 22, verse 24. Let me read this to you. He's just implemented the very first communion, the very first Lord's Supper. In verse 24, then they begin to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest 
among them. They begin to argue, well, I'm the greatest. No, I'm greater than you. No, I'm greater than any of you. And I'll tell you, it got so bad that the mama of James and John got involved. And you remember, she went to Jesus. She said, Lord, I've got a request. She says, she says one day, can my two boys, can, can little Jamie and little Johnny, come on, James and John, can they sit on your right and left-hand side when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus said, it's not my mind to give. He says, can they drink of the cup that I'm going to drink of? Can they be baptized with this baptism of suffering that I'm going to be baptized with? See, what did, what did Peter rebuke Jesus in Matthew 16 for? He rebuked him because Jesus says, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. And he went on to talk about his resurrection. I'm not sure Peter heard that because all Peter did was take him aside and says, no, Lord, this shall not happen to you. See, Peter didn't have any capacity for anything except kingdom now living. Jesus is going to usher in the kingdom age. We're going to be his vice regents. It's going to be wonderful. But we know something happened to Peter because he writes two epistles. First Peter, second Peter, and the subject for both of his epistles is the very thing he rebuked Jesus for. The subject is suffering. Suffering. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you've repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. And then in verse 61, in that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter and suddenly the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind before the rooster crows tomorrow morning. You'll deny three times that you've even known me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly, weeping bitterly. Who, who knows what Peter went through that night? I doubt if he could sleep. Man, he's just denied Christ not once, not twice, but three times. This is the same Peter that had cast out devils. This is the same Peter that had healed people in Jesus' name. This is the same Peter he said, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And now he's denied Jesus three times. Where does he go? What does he do? We can only imagine the despair that gripped his heart. The next morning he rises early and he finds that Jesus has been turned over to the Romans. And he sees them removing his clothing and tying his hands up. And they see the whip coming down on his back 39 times. He sees the blood gushing down and Peter can't help but cry and heave and say, oh God, forgive me. Oh God, oh God. And then he sees Jesus struggling under the weight of a huge oaken cross. It's so heavy that Jesus keeps falling under it. And a man from Africa, Simon of Cyrene, is compelled to carry the cross for Jesus. And then he looks up at that hill called Mount Golgotha and he, he sees Jesus being nailed, his left hand and right hand. Usually the, the, they think it probably went through the wrist and his feet into those oaken timbers. And he sees from afar Jesus' blood staining, staining those timbers crimson. And after what seems like an eternity, Peter hears Jesus say, it is finished. Peter gathers with the other disciples. They're nobody saying too much. They're disappointed. They don't know what to think. But Sunday morning, some of the women come and say, 
They say, hey, the stone's rolled away from his tomb and, 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 and we think he's risen. We think we've seen the Lord. And Peter thought that's just nonsense. And so he began running towards the tomb and John outruns him there. But John stops at the doorway. Peter goes into the door and the angel of the Lord says, he's not here. You're seeking the living among the dead. He is risen. And that very night, Jesus appears to Peter and the disciples. And old Peter can't say a word. And then sometime the next week, Peter and the other disciples have gone back fishing on the Sea of Galilee. And they see somebody standing up on the beach and they got a fire going. And this person's already got some fish cooking. And he says, come little children, come and bring some of the fish that you caught. And they bring some of their fish and they say, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. And we find Jesus three times asking Peter, Three times. How many times did Peter deny Christ? Come on. How many times did Jesus deny Christ? Three times. Three times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep, tend my lambs. What was Jesus doing? He was restoring Peter to fellowship. He says, after you've repented, then I want you to strengthen your brothers. And so this strengthening process starts. Peter has come to the end of himself. He no longer has all the answers. His pride has been dashed against the rocks. And it's the humble Peter that's following Jesus. And just before Jesus ascends to the right hand of the father he looks and this is in acts chapter one he looks at the disciples he says you tarry in jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high and he says in verse eight but you shall receive power when the holy ghost has come upon you and you will be my witnesses unto jerusalem judea samaria unto the uttermost parts of the earth and you'll remember acts chapter two says on the day of pentecost they were all in one mind and one accord and there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues of fire and it sat upon each of them and they began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. They began to worship glorify God. And there were people in, in Jerusalem for Pentecost, the celebration for Pentecost. And they're from, from the Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers of Mesopotamia. And they heard them glorifying God in their own language. And they said, what can this mean? And here, Peter, the man who denied Christ three times, Peter, the man who had gotten Jesus face and said, Lord, you will never suffer. You will never go to the cross. Peter stands and says, these men are not drunk as you suppose, but they're just very, very filled with the Holy Ghost. And Joel said in the last days, God's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Hallelujah. And he preached and 3000 people got saved. What happened? What changed Peter? It's the person of the Holy Spirit. What changed Peter? What gave him strength where he was weak as water? It was the person of the Holy Spirit. That's the reason every day you and I need to say, come fill me, Holy Ghost. Come fill me from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. Oh, I thank God you were filled with the Holy Spirit 20 years ago. But I want you to be filled with the Spirit today. Be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, dear ones, I believe that Peter's life is a prophecy of what you and I can become. I believe that Peter's life 
is a prophecy for every single one of us. We've all got weaknesses. We've all got areas in our life where we don't all have it together. We've got, all got areas in our life where the flesh seems to get the best of us at times. But dear ones, we can come in brokenness to the cross of Christ and we can say, Jesus... I'm not going to tell you how to answer my prayer. I'm not going to tell you how life should be. I'm not going to moan and groan and complain to you. But Lord, I want you to have your way. Lord, you're the potter. I'm the clay. Make me what you want me to be. Lord, here I am. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to be in charge anymore. And I'm not going to try to be in control. But I give you control, Jesus. Come work in me and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me share with you four things about the Holy Spirit. Number one, as a believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives inside you. The Holy Spirit, you say, well, why don't I always feel the Holy Spirit? Because we don't walk by feelings, we walk by faith. You say, but I don't sense that anointing. I don't sense that joy. Well, dear one, sometimes you just acting like the Holy Spirit's inside you. Sometimes you just got to say, Lord, I thank you that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I thank you that the one who knows his way out of the grave lives inside me. I thank you that it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. You see, this New Testament, if we're back in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came and went from people. And they could say, oh, Lord, now remember David said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Psalms 51. We're in the New Testament. Our bodies become the temples of the Holy Ghost. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And the greater one inside you will talk to you. Have you ever walked into a place and the Holy Spirit said, you know, you shouldn't be here. You need to turn and go someplace else. My dad, mom, they lived over in Huntington Estates and not too far from here. And Huntington Estates backs up to Plantation Woods. And a number of years ago, there was a deranged fellow who was a guest in somebody's house in Huntington Woods. And I think it was a Saturday morning, he put the house on fire. Ended up burning it to the ground. And when the firefighters arrived, he took a high-powered shotgun and began shooting at them. Do you remember that? He killed a couple of people that day, including a deputy sheriff. And there was a firefight. And as, it, as the crow flies, my mom and dad's house was just about 300 yards from where all that took place. It, over in Huntington Woods, it took place on a cul-de-sac. And my dad, he loves to get up in the morning and walk outside and pray. He'd walk around his backyard and pray. And he was doing that. And he had gotten over by his garage and standing right in front of his car, the carport door was open. And suddenly she said something inside him said, get down, get down. And he hit the deck, got down, he was in his early 80s then, got down on his belly. And he said about that time there came a sharp report and a 44 slug slammed into his Buick where he had been standing. Dear ones, the Holy Spirit knows some things we don't know. I said the Holy Spirit knows some things we don't know. Now we don't have to obey Him. You don't have to be responsive to His, to His, His whispering in your heart. 
But one of the best things you can ever do is to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus loves you, but I'm going to tell you the Holy Spirit loves you too. I said the Holy Spirit loves you too. You know, all of you made the choice. You got up this morning, you said, I want, the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of myself together. So I'm going to come to the house of the Lord. We're going to social distance, but I'm going to come to the house of the Lord. And I believe when you made that decision, I believe the Holy Spirit inside you began to stand up and shout, hallelujah, glory to God. You're making the right decision. Number two, the Holy Spirit empowers us. He gives us strength to witness. He empowers you. That's what he did for the uh, Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 2. Let me read this to you. Rather, Acts chapter 4. Peter and James had been arrested for preaching the gospel. A man had been healed who had been lame from his mother's womb. And they said, Jesus is raised from the dead. And the Sanhedrin got furious. But they didn't know what to do, so they let him go and... When they got back, they called the other Christians together and they had a prayer meeting. And in verse 29, listen to these words. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give your servants great boldness in preaching your word. That's a good prayer to pray. Lord, would you give me boldness in preaching your word and sharing this gospel? Stretch out your hand with healing power. God, I'm asking you to do that. It's a good thing. I'm going to ask you to pray this too. Lord, would you stretch out your hand with healing power? May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. It's a good prayer to pray. Say, come fill me, Holy Spirit. Give me boldness. Number three, the Holy Spirit assures us that we belong to God's family. Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says, But the Spirit bears witness with our hearts that we are the children of God. He gives us a witness. Have you ever, ever attended a, a party or a, gone to a meeting and you didn't know anybody? And you just... People were kind of nice, they kind of smiled, but they were all talking to each other and you didn't have anybody to talk to and you felt like a wallflower and you just kind of fell out of place. And you, you probably were thinking, boy, when this is over with, I'm going to get out of here. And then somebody comes over and introduces themselves and asks you about yourself and finds out your name. And before long, they take you by the elbow and take you over and they, treat, they introduce you to some more people. Before long, you're talking with them. And you know what? Things have changed. Things have changed. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He, he, he tells us, hey, you belong. You're part of the family. In fact, when you first come to the Lord, or maybe you moved to a different city and you're, you're trying to find the right church, the right place to be. And Kathy and I have done that before. We moved to a new place and didn't know anybody. And we've tried to find the, the right church and the right place. And you know, people are nice to you, but, you know, again, you don't really know them. And you're looking around and you're saying to yourself, is this a group of people that I want to be my spiritual family? Is this a group of people that I want to live life with and do community with? And then the worship starts. And as the worship starts and as Jesus is glorified, the Holy Spirit begins to hug your heart. And he says, you're home. You're in the right place. Number four, here's the last point. The Holy Spirit comforts and encourages us. He's the comforter. He's the encourager. 
In John's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 26, out of the Passion Translation, Jesus said, I will send you the divine encourager from the very presence of my Father. I'll send the divine encourager. Now, dear ones, it would be nice if people would always encourage us when we're going through a tough time. But how many of you know people don't do that? In fact, many times people don't know we're going through a, bit, a tough time. They don't know that we're under stress. They don't know that we're discouraged. But I'm so glad that you and I can go to our knees and we can spend time with the divine encourager. You know, earlier this week, it's been a tough week. Tough week. And sometimes I would try to go to prayer, but I'd have so many things racing through my mind, will, and emotions. So many thoughts. And I'd try to pray and I couldn't stop that flow of thought. But I'll tell you what I've learned over the years. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. And you have to work at being still. And being still means that you get your mind, will, and emotions still. And you just get quiet in the presence of the Lord. And I'll tell you what I've learned to do over the years. I've learned to get still by giving Jesus praise. See, I may be bombarded with all these thoughts, but if I'll get my mind on Jesus and begin to give him praise and begin to give him glory. Now, sometimes it works just when I just say, Jesus, I give you praise. But many times I've got to find some specific things that I'll give praise for. Sometimes I'll walk this congregation. I'll walk this auditorium and I'll lay my hands on the back of these seats. Then we clean them, okay? We clean them before you come. But I'll say, Lord, I thank you for the saints. I thank you for meeting their needs. This week, I was going through this tough time and I began thinking about Kathy and I celebrating this 44th anniversary. And I began just thanking God for my wife. I began saying, Lord, thank you for my flower beauty fair. Thank you for Mrs. Universe. Thank you for my Proverbs 31 gal. Thank you, Lord. And I just began thanking him. I thought about all the things that Kathy and I have been through. I thought about all the places we've lived. I thought about all the things we've been through with children. I thought about all the ups and all the downs and the, fact, the way that she stayed with me. She knows me at my worst. And thank God she believes God for the best for me. And I just begin to give God praise. And after I'd done that for a while, I'd gotten my soulish man got quiet. And I was just still. And I said, Holy Spirit, speak to me. You see the things that have been difficult, Lord, speak to my heart. Sometimes I think we've mistaken the voice of our soul for, for the Holy Ghost. But if you'll get quiet and get your soul quiet, from deep down within, Jesus said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And that's where the Holy Spirit speaks to you. That's where the Spirit speaks to you. He convicts of sin. When you don't know the Lord, He convicts of sin down deep inside. And down deep inside, one word. One word. And that word is peace. 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 And I begin to pray that, Lord, I speak peace to this situation. And I speak peace to that situation and I speak peace over here and I speak peace over there and I want you to know that peace that passes all understanding begin to guard my heart and begin to guard my mind hallelujah
Dear ones, I read the story of Peter and I have hope for me and I have hope for you. Glory to God. The same Jesus that led Peter to Pentecost is the same Jesus that's here this morning. And there's hope for you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's been happening. But I tell you right now, Jesus is the glory and the lifter of your head. And He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. The Holy Spirit loves you. He's concerned about you. Would you take your communion? Very gently try to peel the top layer off. There's two layers on here. The top layer will expose the bread. You're having difficulty, maybe just put your hand in the air and somebody can, at a discreet distance, help you. Anybody, can you get this top level off? Jesus' body was broken for us so that we might become His body. And we are members individually. And we're all different. In fact, somebody said we think everybody's normal until you get to know them. Then you realize very few people are. We're all different. Here's the deal. You could have a personality clash with another person pretty easily. You can say, well, I just don't really like that person. But the Holy Spirit inside you will the love of God inside your heart. And He'll help you to love other people. Thank you, Jesus. Let's partake together. Thank you, Jesus, for your body. Thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you for your ascension. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're coming back again. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, very gingerly, just pull back the top on your communion cup. Very carefully, very slowly. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and broke it. Said, take this and eat it. And then he took the cup. He says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Paul says, as often as we eat and drink, at the Lord's table that we show forth the Lord's death until He comes. That means we're showing forth His life. Lord Jesus, as we come to Your table this morning, we come in humility. God, we put aside pride. I put aside pride. I put aside thinking I know it all. I put aside the need to be in control and call the shots. And Lord, I give it to You. Jesus, I come to you in brokenness and I come And Lord, in humility, I just say, come fill me, Holy Spirit. Come fill me, Holy Spirit. Come fill me, Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name. Now I speak healing and wholeness in your body this morning. Some of you are sick, some of you are suffering. 
Some of you are going through difficult, difficult times, and I speak a way where there doesn't appear to be a way. It's this mighty name. Let's drink together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Brothers, you're going to have to tell me what is the, uh, what is the, are we going to pick them up? Okay, here we come. Gil, let me give you this if I can. Thank you. same Jesus the same Jesus that looked at Peter when he denied him the same Jesus that restored Peter on the shores of the Sea of Galilee the same Jesus that led Peter to Pentecost and filled him with the Holy Ghost the same Jesus that used Peter to heal the sick and cleanse the lepers and raise the dead and cast out devils. The same Jesus that used Peter to establish the church is here right now. I said he's here right now. He's here right now for you. Glory to God. I wish I could give an altar call. I tell you this old COVID thing's not going to last. We're going to be able to have regular church one day. Glory to God. Let me just, just, just reiterate one more time that next Sunday morning, Ryan and Andrea Kramer will be here. They will minister and uh, you will be voting on whether or not you'd like to have them as your senior pastors. And again, this may seem like it's happening quickly. It's actually the deacons have been praying and thinking about this thing and having conversations with others since the 1st of June. And that's why we're at this place now. Uh, Ryan and Andrea served with us for five years as our executive pastor, and she served in a variety of ministries. She can sing, I can tell you that. She can sing, and I think she will sing next Sunday morning. We need as many as possible to come to the 8.30 service. We'll be doing, having business meetings and asking for votes of affirmation uh, after each of the meetings, after the 8.30 and 10.30. Brother Mark Jakelski will be here, who's from the West Florida District, and he'll be running those business meetings for us. I'm excited. I'm excited because I believe Jesus has saved the best wine till last. Amen? The best wine is for Evangelist Assembly of God. God's got great things for our church. He's got great things for this congregation. Let's all stand to our feet. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. 
We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.